the bumper yet. I'm predicting by t next week you're going to be dancing. You're going to do it. Just it gets in your soul, people. All right. Well, good morning. My name is Melody. I'm one of your pastors here, and I am so excited to bring this next message in our wisdom series. And guys, it's a important time to talk about wisdom, right? So that is what we are going to do today. So to begin, we have a story. There once was an old man who lived in a tiny village. And although he was poor, he was envied by all because he had a beautiful white horse. It was the most beautiful horse in all the land, and everyone in the village envied this horse. They all wanted this horse, and they tried to buy this horse from the man, but he would not sell. No matter what price they offered the man for his beautiful white horse, they said, he said no, he would not sell the horse because the horse was his friend, and so he wouldn't sell it. Well, one morning, the man found out that the horse was not in his stable. The horse had run away, and the village came to his house, and they called him a fool. They said, you are such an old fool. Someone has stolen your horse, and if you would have just sold that horse, you would have so much money, and now you've wasted it, and the horse is gone. And the old man responded, don't speak too quickly. Say only that the horse is not in the stable. If I've been cursed or not, how can you know? All we can see is a fragment of the story. Who can say what will come next? Today, I will be grateful for the years I had with my horse. Well, the people of the village laughed, and they called him a fool, and they told him he was crazy and that he was cursed. But in a few days, the horse came back. The horse had not been stolen. The horse had gone into the forest. And when the horse came back, he brought a dozen wild horses with him. A dozen wild horses came from the forest back to the man's house. And the village people gathered around the house and they said, we were the fools and you were the wise men. How did you know that this was a blessing? You were right and we were wrong. And this horse has run away and brought you back all these horses. And now you are more rich than before. And the man said, don't speak too quickly. Say only that the horse has returned. If I've been blessed or not, how can you tell? All you can see is a fraction of the story. Who can say what will come next? Today, I will be grateful that my horse has returned. But deep down, the people thought he was wrong. Now the old man had a son. He was his only son. And the son began to break all these wild horses that his horse had brought back to him. And as the son was training the horses, the son fell and broke both of his legs. And the town people came back to the old man and they said, you were right, this was a curse. These wild horses have broken your son's legs and now you have no one to help you and you are poorer than ever and you are cursed. And the old man said, don't speak too quickly. Say only that my son's legs are broken. If I've been cursed or not, how can you tell? All we can see is a fragment of the story. Who can say well, what will come next? Today, I will be grateful that my son is alive. Well, so it happened that in the next few weeks, the country engaged in a war. And all the young men from the village were sent off to fight in the war with no prospects of returning home. 
And the people came back to the old man again, and they said, you were right. It was a blessing that your son's legs were broken because now he can stay home from the war, and we've all lost our sons, and you will get to keep your son. And the old man said, don't speak too quickly. Say only that my son has been spared to fight in this war. If I've been blessed or not, how can you tell? All you can see is a fragment of the story. Who can say what will come next? Today, I will be grateful. Now, we could probably go on and on with the story of the old man and his horses and his sons. But maybe we get the point that this sort of wisdom that we're talking about is much less based on circumstance than what we might originally think. But I want to be wise. I want to be wise like that old man. I want to be grateful like that old man. I want to have peace regardless of my circumstances. And I want to make good decisions and to live well and to love well and to look like Jesus, kind of like that man in the story, right? So how do we do that? We're going to talk about it today. And we've been talking about it. So I have a thought to get us started today, and we're going to unpack it throughout our time together. So look up on the screen. How about this for today? Wisdom is the readiness to take action about the things that you do know. The ability to find peace in the tension of the things you do not know. And the humility to be continuously willing to learn. That wise old man in the story, he never thought he had it all figured out, did he? He just chose to look at the fragment of the story he could see and be grateful. I think that's one of the most beautiful stories of wisdom I've heard. Now, we've already had two messages in our wisdom series. And while both of those messages have been really good and really important, they've been very mystical, haven't they? They've kind of been like, we're going to look at this wisdom thing in the grand sense of wisdom, and we're going to say how important it is to be wise. But at the end of the day, the most important part of wisdom is trust God regardless. And that's what we've been talking about. And it's been really good and really important because that is the foundation of true spiritual wisdom. That is the foundation of the wisdom that comes from God, is to realize that as wise as we may be, our circumstances may not go the way we want them to. So we had to start there, right? Because when we looked at the collective wisdom literature of the whole scripture, that was the message we found. And when we looked at the teaching of Jesus and the writers of the New Testament, that was the teaching we found, right? All is hevel. Remember that hevel word, that smoke, that vapor that the writer of Ecclesiastes talks about? We can't quite see our way through, okay? So what we can do then is trust God regardless, and that's the wisest thing there is. And that is the foundation of wisdom. However, is that the whole point of our wisdom series then? Are we just going to come here and we're going to say being wise isn't really enough and really what we need is to just trust God's mysterious love for us and all will be well? No. There's more to learn about wisdom. And so that's what we're going to do. Because while the deepest and truest spiritual wisdom starts in that place of trust and surrender, there's so much more about wisdom to discover. And as we're rooted in that place of trust and surrender, that chokmah that we talked about, the spirit of God that is wisdom, will become alive in us. So 
Wisdom is more than trust and surrender. It's what helps us to live well. Remember how we talked about to make good decisions, to thrive and flourish in our life, to be good at our jobs, to be good at school, to lead well and parent well. Wisdom is important in all of those places. So here's what we're going to talk about today. Wisdom is not only found in the mystical and mysterious, it's also found in the practical. It's also found in the practical. Okay, so this week and next week, we're going to talk more about the path of wisdom. And we're going to discuss what it looks like to become wise and to practice wisdom in our lives. So here's a question to think about. Do we acquire wisdom as a gift from God or by our own pursuits? What do you guys think? Anybody have an answer? Is it a gift from God or is it something we have to work for? You're so smart. Both. That is the correct answer. It is both, right? Wisdom is a gift from God. It is hokmah. It is the spirit of God alive in us. It is part of his nature. It's Christ in us. Remember our memory verse, Proverbs 2, 6. For the Lord grants wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. Wisdom is a gift from God. However, it's also ours to pursue. It's also our responsibility to search for wisdom and to engage wisdom and to practice wisdom, right? The scriptures tell us so over and over. In Proverbs 4, 7, we've read this one before. Actually, it's in our bumper. It says, getting, getting wisdom is the wisest thing you can do. And whatever else you do, develop good judgment. The writer of Proverbs is encouraging us to pursue this, to choose it. So I'm excited for this part of the series because we're going to talk about how we can say yes to this invitation from God to be wise, to get wisdom, okay? And for those of you who like steps and processes and practical teaching, we get to go there today, and I'm pretty excited about it because I like that kind of teaching from time to time to ground me a little bit in all the mystical that is our spirituality. But I will say, I am absolutely 100% certain that wisdom cannot be boiled down into a formula or a set of bullet points, okay? Even though that's what we're going to get the next couple weeks, it cannot, it cannot be boiled down to that, of course. But our human minds, I think, can take another step towards understanding it. And so that's what we're going to do. So today, I'm going to suggest a little formula. And this is funny because... Um, it's like the opposite of wisdom, right, to boil it down to a formula. However, I learned this from my dad, and as I told you before, my dad is the wisest person that I know. And I didn't learn this formula from my dad, but he has his own formula for dynamic living, which if you haven't seen and learned, should, because it's wonderful. But I have a new formula for us today. It's the formula of wisdom. I think we're going to put it up on the screen, but I'm going to put it here too. Now, oops. So math was not ever my strongest suit. <laughs> okay, W equals K plus D plus T. Uh -huh. All of that times A. Thanks, guys. K plus D plus T, all of that added together times A. Now you know what you got to do about the, these parentheses here, right? You got to add all that stuff together. Yeah, you add those things together before you multiply. Good job. All right. 
Now let's see if you guys can guess what these letters stand for. I feel like you're pretty smart people. What do you think W stands for? Wisdom. Yeah, wisdom. All right, we're going to put that here. Oh, well then kids don't... Oh. oh yeah, the other ones aren't on the paper. All right, what do you think K stands for? Kindness, that's a good one. Any other ideas? Killian? Knowledge. It's knowledge. Correct. Gotta have knowledge in there. All right, what do you think D stands for? Stella. That's a tricky one. It's a long word. So can somebody help her? That's super close. Discernment. Discernment. That's right. Knowledge plus discernment. Plus T. Anyone got a guess for T? We learned about the T the last couple weeks. Grown-ups, you got a guess? That's right. Trust. Good job. All right. Knowledge plus discernment plus trust. All of them added together. All right. Can anybody guess the multiplying factor? What's the A stand for? What was it? Oh, nope, not that. Attitude is a good guess. Yes, Matthew. What is it? Accuracy. That is a good one. I should have gotten you guys to help me add some things to this formula. The A stands for action. Action. All right. So there you go. You, now you know wisdom and we're done. Just kidding. Okay. We're going to talk about these things for a bit. Wisdom equals knowledge plus discernment plus trust times action. Acquiring knowledge plus practicing discernment plus choosing trust plus actually putting it into the world, right? So first of all, let's look at knowledge, right? We're going to look at knowledge for a very short time today because we're going to come back to it again next week. But sometimes we think of knowledge and wisdom as the same thing. Right? Like if we know something, then that's wisdom sometimes. Or wisdom is having knowledge, knowledge is having wisdom. However, that is not really true. Because people can know a lot of things, but not really be wise. Right? Knowledge is only one part of the puzzle. So how do we get knowledge? A lot of ways. We learn it from school. We learn it from experience. We learn it from talking to other people. We learn it from looking at history, right? Humans are built to acquire knowledge. That's something that we do without even trying. We acquire knowledge, okay? And God tells us to do it over and over. So next week, we're going to talk more about knowledge. But we're going to move on today because this is a really important piece of wisdom, discernment, discernment. It's a little bit trickier. And it's something that does not come to us as easily as knowledge does, okay? In fact, it has to grow and develop within us. And I would say of all of these pieces, if we were going to choose one that like really has to be the gift from God, it's going to be discernment. That really, in spiritual wisdom, is going to come from Jesus inside of us. Here's how I like to define discernment. When I'm thinking about it, praying about it, working to practice it in my life, I like to think of discernment as having keen insight, especially regarding knowledge that is conflicting. Keen insight, 
regarding knowledge that is conflicting, meaning knowledge that doesn't all go together in one narrative that makes perfect sense. Now, I think you know what I'm talking about, that knowledge can conflict. But I'll give you an example. This is a personal example for me as I'm trying to practice discernment in my life, right? I know two things. One, I know that sleep is really important to me and that I should be getting eight hours of sleep a night if I want to be a healthy individual that lives well. I know that. I also know that I am called to be the hands and feet of Jesus and that people need my love and care at all hours of the day and night. And sometimes that attention needs to extend past the time which I usually need to go to sleep. Now, I know both of those things. Those things are both true, okay? But they don't give me a clear path to follow because they conflict. Because one thing says I should get sleep no matter what because that's what my body needs. And the other thing says I should love people no matter what because that's what God says. And those things don't go together and line up in one narrative that makes it clear to me what decisions I should make in my life, right? So I have to practice discernment, which involves knowing the nuances of my own body to know what I can give. It involves knowing the people around me and what they do need and don't need from me. Knowing whether I should put up a boundary or whether I should give sacrificially to be the hands and feet of Jesus, right? And when I put it that way, be the hands and feet of Jesus, you might think, well, that's the clear winner. But it's not the clear winner, right? Because if I'm not healthy, if I'm not a healthy person, I'm not going to be a very good representation of the hands and feet of Jesus in the day or the night, right? So it requires discernment, discernment. Now, that's a personal example for me that I wrestle with, but I'm sure as you're thinking about your own life, you can think of places in your life where your knowledge conflicts and it makes it unclear about what choice you should make. Now, when I think of discernment, I cannot help but think of the classic scene from The Princess Bride. I'll try not to give too much away in case you haven't seen it. Hopefully you've all seen it. Where the man in black challenges Vizzini, who's the bad guy, and he thinks he's very smart, this bad guy, okay? He challenge him, challenges him to determine which glass of wine he has placed a tasteless, odorless poison, okay? And this Vizzini goes on this long, logical argument because of this and this and this that I know I cannot choose the glass in front of you. But because of this and this and this, I know I cannot choose the glass in front of me. But because of this and this and this, I know I cannot choose the glass in front of you. And he goes on and on and on. And it's very clear that all of this knowledge is not providing him with any sort of solution, right? That's the guy. So he, it's, the knowledge isn't enough. So he has to practice discernment in this moment. Now, in this moment, Vizzini does not choose wisely. Or rather, he doesn't see that the game is rigged from the beginning, okay? But doesn't life feel that way to us sometimes, right? We clearly cannot choose door number one. We clearly cannot choose door number two. And our knowledge conflicts, and it makes our choices confusing and unclear, okay? And this is where we need discernment. Now... We do not have all the time to unpack all of the discernment things, but I have a couple things to say about it today. Number one, if we are truly wise, our discernment will frequently point us to a third way. A third way. If we get caught in a logic trap like Vizzini, 
cannot choose the wine in front of you. I cannot choose the wine in front of me. I don't know which way to go. If Vizzini would have realized the game was rigged from the beginning, he would have probably done something other than drink the poison, right? If we find ourselves in a logic trap like that or unable to land on one side or another of, a, of an argument, or if neither of the two paths in front of us seem like they're going to bring blessing and flourishing into our lives, then perhaps we need to look for a third way. And if you'll remember, Jesus loved taking the third way. Now here's another thought about discernment. In Thessalonians 5, it says, Test everything that is said and hold on to what is good. Test everything that is said and hold on to what is good. Now, here is a very interesting thing about this word test. Okay? In the original translation, what this word test means is to allow, discern, examine, and welcome. Welcome. Welcome everything and hold on to what is good. Now that's a powerful invitation from our Father, right? Because there are a lot of things that we welcome in our lives that are not good in our society, in our media, that are not good. So what do we do when we welcome them? Well, this says we hold on to what is good. Now that's discernment. That's discernment. Discernment comes from the Spirit of God in us. Jesus alive in us, okay? But for today, as we continue on this path, of learning wisdom and continue on this path of asking God for discernment, we could start with, if I can't drink the wine in front of you and I can't drink the wine in front of me, then what will I do? Hold on to what is good. Now, let's circle back to trust for just a minute. Trust in the love of God. Trust in the reality of the one true narrative of redemption that is larger than any circumstance or choice, or dilemma that we are facing, right? Because we can't experience wisdom apart from that foundation. Let's see what Proverbs 3 says about it. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, Fear the Lord. There's that fear the Lord again phrase. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Then you will have healing for your body and strength for your bones. Comes back to trust, right? That has to be in the equation or we're going to end up on a wrong path. All right. Then the most important piece, the action piece. I think this is the most important. I think, I think Jesus says so too. Because if we don't actually do the thing that is wise, then we cannot actually say we are wise, right? Ignorance, like not knowing a thing, is one thing. But knowing a thing and not taking action on it, that's particularly unwise. Stephen Covey says, to know and not to do is not to know. 
right? And let's look at the words of Jesus about this because this is kind of a tough one, (laughs) but it's really the most important part of wisdom. So here's what Jesus says in Matthew 7. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. The rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. If we hear, if we hear the discernment from Jesus and then we don't actually take the action to do the thing, this is what Jesus is saying. It's like building our house on the sand and the circumstances of life will batter us if that is the path we choose. We have to take the action. We have to. That's part of wisdom. James 3 puts it like this. Do you want to be counted wise? To build a reputation for wisdom. Here's what you do. Live well, live wisely, live humbly. It's the way you live, not the way you talk, that counts. Mean-spirited ambition is not wisdom. Boasting that you are wise is not wisdom. Twisting the truth to make yourself sound wise is not wisdom. It's the furthest thing from wisdom. It's animal coming, cunning, devilish conniving. Whether you're trying to look better than others or get the better of others, things fall apart and everyone ends up at the other's throats. Real wisdom, God's wisdom, begins with a holy life. It's characterized by getting along with others. It's gentle and reasonable, overflowing with mercy and blessings, not hot one day and cold the next, not two-faced. You can develop a healthy, robust community that lives right with God and enjoys its results only if you do the hard work of getting along with each other, treating each other with dignity and honor. This is about action. This is about taking the truth of what we know and the reality of what we have discerned and the truth of the trust in our hearts and moving into it, stepping into it, doing the things that look like Jesus. That is real wisdom. And we cannot call ourselves wise without the action. So let's do some case studies with this formula to see if it works. Okay. Shana shared this quote with me last week, and I thought it was very helpful. She said, Knowledge is knowing that a tomato is a fruit. Wisdom is knowing not to put it in a fruit salad. Hmm? Hmm? It's a good one. Now, we can break that down even further in this framework, okay? Knowledge. The knowledge is a tomato is a fruit. Discernment is don't put it in a fruit salad. Trust is I trust the creator of this fruit, even though it tastes like a vegetable. And action is not actually putting it in the fruit salad. Thank you for that. Okay. 
you see what I'm saying? If, if we know that the tomato is a fruit and we know that it's not good to put in the fruit salad and we trust that it tastes how it tastes because God created that way, but then we still put in the fruit salad like we're not wise, right? Now that's an obvious one. I don't think probably many of you have put tomato in a fruit salad. Let's try it with one that's a little more serious, maybe. Knowledge, okay? Knowledge. Punching a bully in the face might stop him from making fun of me. We know that. That could be true. Or speaking to a bully with compassion and empathy might also stop him from making fun of me. Those things are both true. Two things we know. Punching him in the face might stop him from making fun of you or speaking with compassion and empathy might stop him from making fun of you, right? So discernment, choosing the way of compassion and empathy is more like Jesus, right? I think if we prayed to God and asked him what to do about this bully, he would probably lead us more towards the direction of compassion and empathy than he would towards a punch in the face, right? Trust. Can't forget the trust, which is to say, if I choose compassion and empathy and this bully makes fun of me anyway, I'm going to trust that I'm still worthy of love because I know God's love for me and I know who I am. We can't miss that part of it. Or we might get really hurt in the situation even though we're trying to be wise, right? You have to have the trust. And then the action is actually speaking with compassion and empathy. Now, a lot of times we can get part of the way down this first equation and then kind of just not finish it out with our action. And I'm saying we because I'm saying me, right? I think a lot of the time I know wise choice to make and I am afraid for whatever reason to make it wisdom takes the action it does so I'm gonna bring the band back up today because we're gonna continue this conversation next week and we're gonna talk about we're gonna break these things down even more and talk about steps along this path of wisdom but I hope that this is making sense to you guys today and helping us to see that wisdom is both a gift from God and the result of a conscious effort on our part. So Paul prays a prayer for the Ephesians, and I'm going to read it as part of our prayer today. He writes, Ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere, I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly. Asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope that he has given to those he called his holy people, who are his rich and glorious inheritance. Now we're going to sing a song, Head to the Heart. I think you guys know it. This song, I know we just talked really practically about wisdom. Now we got to do that too, it's important. But this song brings it full circle back to the reality that it's a journey, guys. This wisdom thing is a journey. And 
God does not want us to feel shame or be hard on ourselves if we're not getting every piece in the formula, right? Or if we get part way and then get too afraid to take the action, God does not want us to feel shame for that. That's what his spirit is for. That's what his grace is for. That's what the one true narrative of redemption is, is that even if we don't make those wise choices, we're still beloved. We're still living in the one true narrative of redemption. The invitation is simply to go on the journey. So I'm going to pray and then we're going to sing. God, I thank you for this look at wisdom, for this invitation that you've given us over and over in your word and over and over in our hearts to be wise. And God, we, we need this wisdom. We need it in our work. We need it in our school. We need it in our families. We need it in our relationships. We need it in our church. We need it in our country. So we're here with our hearts open, willing to learn whatever you would teach us, willing to learn knowledge and learn discernment and learn trust and choose action. God, we're willing to learn it all, but we also know we need you. We need your spirit to energize us and motivate us and teach us and hold us when we fall and comfort our fears and speak the truth of our belovedness. So God, I pray that you would. I pray that as we think about these things, that there would be a lifting, a lifting on our souls, a reality that we don't have to carry the weight of making perfect decisions, but a knowledge that you are with us as we make them. God, we love you and we trust you today. In your name we pray.